Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. Just say no to family values. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm one of your hosts, R.C. Weslowski. And I'm your other host today, Pamela Bentley. And we are lucky enough to have in studio today, Kevin Gilday, all the way from Scotland. Hi there. Nice to have you here. Thank you. And uh, you're in town touring your uh, Fringe Festival show, Gigantic Lying Mouth. Yes. And uh, we're going to get you to start off with something, hopefully, from the show. Okay. Paint in hand. Football on the telly. Puggy machine illuminates straining buttons on my belly. Masculine tropes is seen on TV. Playing the part of a churlish enlistee. Learned behavior, studied nonchalant, sun-welling knuckle-dragger. Neanderthal renaissance. Because sensitivity is feminine. Because feeling is feminine. Because expressing is feminine. And masculinity is a lie. Edit your sentence before it leaves your tongue. Censor your real meaning. Leave laments unsung. Make conversation flow, but keep the topics broad. Say nothing incessantly. Raise your glass and nod. Let body bile flow forth. Hold objectified assets in your gaze. And if ever a weakness slips, just get the next round in and erase. Because concern is feminine. Because caring is feminine. Because crying is feminine. And masculinity is a lie. Let competitiveness overflow. Make every fact a battlefield. Convivial acts of warfare without the strength required to yield. Bank account sizes are compared in lieu of throbbing members. Burn friendships to the ground, leave you drunkenly sifting the embers. Because success defines hierarchy, winners to the front. Hyper-alpha nonsense, no more evolved than a pack of wolves on the hunt. Because compassion is feminine. Because weakness is feminine. Because failure is feminine. And masculinity is a lie. Yes, masculinity is a lie of the most toxic persuasion. Teaches sentimental distance, preaches emotional evasion. Leaves a generation of men bereft of the vocabulary required for aid. Renders a portrait in your attic, grotesque and decayed. Attempts to weed out compassionate traits at a young, impressionable age before sitting back and regarding with mystery these young men consumed by rage. Because to feel is feminine. Because to feel is feminine. Because to feel is feminine. And I am feminine. And masculinity 
as a lie. Great. Thanks for starting that off. Is it like a guide to how to survive in the pub? (laughs) Yeah, I think definitely the pubs of the west of Scotland, probably the most masculine places in the world. Uh, And I think it's kind of about having that kind of second skin and being able to to fit in in different places and kind of switch your mannerisms and switch your conversation to, to fit in different facets of society. But at the same time, knowing that you're doing it and knowing that exactly. What and do you I, think that? What do you think? What is? Why is it so dangerous to be feminine in those situations? I think it's just something that is completely kind of under the surface of most people in those situations. Maybe they they feel exactly the same way I do. Maybe they are uh, kind of disguising themselves and camouflaging themselves in the way that I am, but. If they are, they're not giving it away. <laughs> and I don't want to be the one to give it away and put myself in that position. So it's just a, a poem about kind of, yeah, fitting in uh, in certain social situations. Yeah. Well, you see in the, in the poem there, there's one part, well, I'll just be quiet and go buy another round. Yeah. yeah. You know, for everybody else. Like if it's, you broach a subject deflect. and it just kind of, ah, uh-huh. I'm going to run away. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious though, I mean, you can't speak for an entire culture, but Do you feel like those sorts of gender ideas are changing at all? I feel like they are. Or if they are, are, how are they? Yeah, I feel like they are. I feel like there's a lot more people talking about their mental health, especially males talking about mental health. And this is the first time I can ever remember that happening. You know, I feel like um, depression is something that runs in my family. And it's only now that certain people are feeling like they have the, the kind of the permission almost to speak about it like before it was a kind of hidden thing and people were using code words to kind of you know relate to it but now people are quite open and saying hey this is how i'm feeling today i can't come and do this thing Mm -hmm. is that a generational thing more so or are older uh men or women women or everybody uh talking about it i think it's definitely a generational thing i think that you know um, even one generation removed from where I am still feel like they can't open up fully. Um, but then I, I think I was kind of lucky enough to be brought up uh, by my mother for the most part and she kind of instilled a lot of kind of what society would, society would probably say is feminine values in me so I feel like I can express myself more openly. Mm-hmm. So when you expose these things, so this is a piece, is this a piece from the show? This is in the show, yes. So when you're doing this piece, are you Kevin or are you in a persona? Um, the whole thing is done as me. Kevin is the character in the show, but a kind of very exaggerated version of me and also a dead version of me. Yes, I was going to say, <laughs> you seem like you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the premise is that I, I die at the start of the show. In a tragic yoga accident, obviously, <laughs> and uh, and I'm forced to kind of have a look at the the lies that I've been telling throughout my life and kind of atone for them and kind of try and justify why I felt the need to lie in those situations, and that was definitely one of them. Right. So when you uh, expose yeah, this yeah. lie, like if there if there are people in, who feel this way mm-hmm. that they can't show those things because they're feminine and there's something wrong with being yeah. feminine, and they come and then you have a character who is exposing that yeah um 
how do they respond to that? Yeah. Do they go, oh, do I, re- oh, I recognize myself? Like, yeah. can you see or feel that or have them talk to you about it? I've had a lot of people uh, come and speak to me about that poem in particular and another one about mental health that's in the show. Uh, and people came up, but sometimes it's very open and sometimes it's almost a kind of conspiratorial whisper that, you know, thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, for saying this thing that I've been thinking, but I wasn't quite sure how to verbalize. Uh, and I think it hopefully gives people permission to speak about it. You know, if someone stands in front of a microphone and says it to a room full of strangers, I think that that kind of opens up a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. Do you have a talk back or anything afterwards? Uh, no, I, ha- I have like a kind of, you know, little impromptu kind of table at the end for people to come and perhaps buy a book but mostly for people to come and just say hello and have a chat and uh, and if anyone wants to discuss any themes or any of the big ideas in the show I'd be so happy to go and have a beer with anyone afterwards mm. and chat about it especially Definitely. if they're buying of course yes yeah. <laughs> and that that book that you're reading from is that that's the accompanying book to the yes. show which came first so the the show came first well, the concept of the show and some of the poems were written for the show, uh, but this book also contains um, another kind of five sections of poetry as well as all the poems that are in the show. So mm-hmm. this is kind of all my work from the past two, three years now, all kind of collected into this book. So, yeah, I hope people pick it up and enjoy it. And it has the same title as the, the show, Gigantic Lying Mouth. Yeah. When is your first show? So the first show is tomorrow night, um, yeah, tomorrow at 8.15, so I'm down at the review stage on Granville Island. That's 8.15pm. 8.15pm, yes, <laughs> don't turn up that early. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, if people want to come and check it out, it is a, a kind of dark comedy, obviously very dark comedy, since it's about death and I'm Scottish, uh, <laughs> and also, but it does have this kind of, what I call kind of poetry interludes throughout it so there's kind of eight poems that are kind of uh, threaded throughout the narrative of the show also the whole thing isn't rhyming like that um no not the 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 main part of the show is dialogue between me and a kind of a omnipotent voice a, a guardian angel um, so there's that and then there's the poetry section so it does have a kind of narrative running throughout it um how, is the character trying to get into heaven? Is that the concept? Or are yeah. they just trying to face what they've done? Or Well, the the concept is that the character... Without is, giving it all the way. Yeah, the concept was written... The character has written a, a masterpiece of a play, a fantastic play, and then has died just before it's finished. <laughs> so for them, the main thing is to, to get back and finish this play. And then it's fine, they can die after that, but they just need to leave one little masterpiece in the world before they go. Uh, so that's kind of the main thrust of it. But I won't give too much away, but that's no. the, okay. the main story. So uh, let's hear another uh, piece from uh, your book and your poem. And our guest today is Kevin Gilday, and he's touring his uh, Fringe show, Gigantic Lying Mouth, which opens tomorrow at the Vancouver Fringe Festival at the Review Stage. Joy does not stop here. It merely passes through a night bus to somewhere exotic. Joy is poured into me but flows straight back out, the cracks of time taking their share. Joy is an occasional visitor. I keep a spare room prepared, but she never stays for long. 
Joy is in the eyes of other people. A second-hand reflection dancing in the light. Joy resides in the moment of creation, but stays well away from the paperwork. Joy has no time for admin. Joy is unconcerned of your opinion. She knows fine well you're bitter. Joy has met your type before. Joy comes easily to some, like turning on a tap and letting the bathtub fill up. Joy is a stranger to me. A second cousin spied at a family function, distant yet familiar. Joy, elusive house guest, your invitation is standing to haunt the ruinous grounds of my brain and give me an insight into how other people must feel. Hmm. Nice. What's that one called? It's just simply called Joy. Joy. Yeah. Lovely. Made me laugh. That's good. <laughs> so, I, I like that line with the, the joy, like it like it's filling up a tap of a of a bathtub, right? And then mm-hmm. I was thinking about that as a simple joy. Yeah, exactly. That you turn on the tap, it yeah. works, it's <laughs> clean water, exactly. it's hot, you have the time to take the bath, and if you like actually sit and watch that come out and like acknowledge all that... Mm-hmm then yeah. you get access to joy in a way, right? Yeah. Even if you're feeling super low, it's like you can at least be grateful for the fact that you have clean hot water and a tub to soak in. Yeah, it's very interesting you said that. I actually wrote that poem when I was staying in a kind of shack in a village in the middle of Ghana. <laughs> and there was no hot water or running water. Um, and I kind of was looking at the people around me and there was so much joy and so much singing and so much dancing and mm. and I was feeling particularly miserable <laughs> and homesick and I was thinking you know how are these people doing it with so much less than I have um, so yeah that was kind of the the main thrust of that poem yeah so let's talk a little bit about uh, the show and uh, where you've been performing it you, this isn't Vancouver will be your third fringe yeah. correct this year yeah so um, the show had a, a preview in Glasgow before I left uh, and then we went straight to the Westbury Theatre in Edmonton for the Edmonton Fringe so we've done seven shows there and um, got a couple of good reviews and a bit of momentum uh, and then we made our way to Victoria uh, Victoria was fantastic we've done five shows uh, very quickly almost one a day um, and got some fantastic reviews there and the audiences came out and it just felt like everything came together there and the show kind of got a lot better then as well it kind of hit its peak yeah. so I feel like we have a lot of momentum that we're carrying over to Vancouver now really looking forward to to performing in front of the audiences here How was your experience in Edmonton with being you know, like 300 shows going on and trying to get people <laughs> to notice yours? Well the thing is, I'm used to the Edinburgh Fringe okay. in Scotland, which is obviously, you know, in, in Edmonton it was 300 shows, in Edinburgh it's 3,000. Okay. So <laughs> uh, I'm used to being ignored is the basic answer, uh, and I'm used to kind of, you know, fighting for an audience and chatting to people and, you know, persuading people to come and take a risk on what is basically a very strange show. Um, obviously there's lots of 
great improv, there's lots of, you know, high-end musicals, there's lots of interesting stuff, uh, but I know that people are always looking out for something a wee bit weird and a wee bit different, mm-hmm. so I think that Gigantic Lion Mouth kind of fulfils that for people, that this is the strange wee fringe show that you'll go and then tell your friends about later. What was your pitch? Because everyone's got to try and have a pitch <laughs> for it in the line. Um, mine was just, you know, dark comedy meets slam poetry, also, Scotman, Scotsman dies doing yoga. I feel like that's a really solid pitch there. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're t- you're not touring this by yourself, right? You've got uh, help yeah. with the Yeah, so the my partner, show. Becky's on tour with me. So she is a kind of omnipotent voice in the show. Uh, and she's also uh, the stage manager and just the person that generally makes things run when I can't make them run. So, yeah, I really couldn't do it without her here. Fantastic. So what is your, you mentioned slam poetry, so uh, is, is your back, I mean, I kind of know, so I'm pretending to ask, but your background <laughs> I don't, so as, a, as, a, as a performance poet first and then a playwright or theatre? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I started kind of in bands, being the front man of kind of uh, lots of indie bands in Glasgow, and I got quite frustrated with trying to get... Um, five musicians into the one room to rehearse <laughs> once or twice a week. So I ended up finding my way to performance poetry where I could do it myself, I could rehearse when I wanted to, I could perform when I wanted to, I didn't have to lift any heavy equipment. Yeah. It was very nice. Uh, and from there I uh, took a, a master's course and um, it was mostly based in TV writing, but it was a lot of playwriting as well. So I'd, I completed that master's, and from there I started writing plays, and suddenly the two things ended up getting mashed together, and I started making these kind of uh, strange plays with uh, poetry running throughout them. Yeah. I see that you have done this at Glastonbury. What was that like? I mean, not this particular <laughs> show, but... Yeah. Or was it this particular Well, I, I've performed at Glastonbury twice and I managed to pick the the two worst years for weather um, where the whole festival site was kind of sinking into the mud so (laughs) um, my memories are just kind of trying to you know um, walk for more than half an hour without getting exhausted and falling in the mud but yeah it was a kind of great experience and uh, more than anything uh, Glastonbury is a great networking experience because you meet great poets from around the world who have all been chosen to come and play that festival. So I was meeting people who were slam champions from Australia, Germany, people over from Canada and the US, as well as people who run all the local scenes throughout the UK. So for that alone, it was a brilliant experience. I was in Glasgow in uh, May of 2016 and I went wow. to a slam. Really? Yeah, I just went and heard it. it was It was part of a fundraiser. Okay. Um, and it was in a little tiny place. Um, I can't remember because some friends came in from out of town. Mm-hmm. and well, Not out of town, but, you know, out in the suburbs. Yeah. And, and they were friends of, of somebody I knew here. And they said, well, we know you do this thing. So we looked up and there's these people organizing this thing. And they wow. knew some of the organizers. I want to know who this is now. Yeah. And so I, I went to the <laughs> slam. And it was really, because it's always interesting to see. Uh-huh. It's not only interesting to meet people from other parts of, but to go and see the scenes. Yes. And so it wasn't just the slam. It was a you know a night with a bunch of arty stuff. It was on really? a Saturday night. But yeah, really? it was yeah. So, the, the, there's a lot more rhyming. Uh huh. 
A lot more rhyming in Scotland Which than there is. UK in general. I yeah, think. the UK in general. Because I went the last time I was in London before that, I went to a couple of slams in London. Yeah. And that's one of the things I noticed. I wonder if it's that like bard tradition, right? Where <laughs> um, it is something that I've noticed when I come here. People, oh, I like those rhymes, but yeah. you know the the slam poetry style in North America seems so different and alien, and it seems so much more professional and competitive. Uh, whereas mm. in the UK, it does feel more like it's just a kind of DIY thing that people mm. are doing. And people are just throwing on slams and seeing what happens. There's mm-hmm. not really the same infrastructure that you have here. Well, I could tell it was people who had done it. Yeah. And that there were some, you know, some good names in there. But Definitely. And they just had it kind of, the, the judging was being done a little bit more casual. And it was kind of cool. Yeah. I really liked the way they did the judging, actually. They <laughs> passed it around. So it was different people judging oh, every neat. palm. So they were uh-huh. like, who's judging this palm? Who's doing this ah, one next? And cool. who hasn't judged yet? And then oh, they would like pass that. the number. Yeah. So it yeah. was kind of, but it was a very small room, too. So I didn't know if that was generally the way it was done. Or, yeah. Well, I, I went my, out my way to kind of, uh, subvert uh, slams as much as possible <laughs> and do weird themed slams. Um, the last one we done was called uh, Game of Poems, yeah. which is Game of Thrones themed mm-hmm. slam. And we actually had one of the actors from the show as the judge. <laughs> he had no idea about poetry, yeah. so he was just judging it on whatever he felt yeah, was yeah, good at the time. Neat. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, it just that just popped in my head. If you want to check out uh, another poetry slam, there's one happening this evening mm-hmm. at uh, Benny's Bagels. It's the UBC, the University of British Columbia Poetry mm-hmm. Slam, and um, they either you know you can either probably sign up to slam or on their open mic if you want to go and Brilliant. promote your show yeah, there. That's, I think uh, I might do that. Seven o'clock tonight at uh, Benny's Bagels on West Broadway. Yeah, it's not too far from uh, from Granville Island. No, or our, where you're saying. Yeah, our guest today is Kevin Gilday. Um, you're listening to him. I'm on Wax Poetic on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. Let's have another piece. Okay. Since we were talking about um, slams, <laughs> this is a, a poem about the kind of people you meet at the poetry slams. <laughs> I've fallen out of love with poetry. It's not me, it's you. That spark has gone wandering amidst countless painful open mics, anxiety-inducing slams, clique politics and the complete absence of ever being paid. I've fallen out of love with poetry because of your bloody whiny voices and earnest subject matter, contrivedly crafted for universal agreement. I'm glad we've sorted out that racism is bad. I was a wee bit sketchy before you took the mic. Hmm. I've fallen out of love with poetry, with your mid-Atlantic inflections and borrowed speech patterns, because you all learned to slam from Americans on YouTube instead of saying what you feel. I've fallen out of love with poetry, because your body issues are not important. Unlike mine. Of course you're an outsider. You read poetry. This is a club for weirdos. This much we know. I've fallen out of love with poetry. Because you write too many love poems. And they don't come easily to me. Grand metaphors like quixotic sculpture. Hewn from the marble of your affections. Or something. (laughs) I've fallen out of love with poetry because rhyming 
is seen as uncool, despite it being a useful linguistic tool. A literary device taught to kids at school Yet I stand up here like a mawkish school Cos my poetic preference marks me out as a fool Or something I've fallen out of love with poetry Because these young people are actually quite good And maybe there's no room for a grown man's weary compositions And chronic oversharing I've fallen out of love with poetry because it's fallen out of love with me. Oh, no, it hasn't. <laughs> Was that from me or if I remember your beer show? Did you do that? How about uh, in no, that? that one's actually, uh, I kind of wrote that as a kind of anti-slam poem to do to slams. Uh, and it's worked its way into this show, oh, Gigantic okay. Lion Mouth. So um, there's a kind of slam poetry section of the show, but you'll need to come along to, to see it in its uh, full majesty. <laughs> Film Majesty. Okay. Film Majesty. You lost me. What does that mean? There'll be audio visuals. Yeah. Oh, okay. I never heard that phrase before. Just going by this. Yes. Well, because you said that earlier too, and I was like, did I just mishear that? Um, so, is did, have you seen? So, did you fall back in love, or did you just stop doing poetry at slams, or how did how was that poem received? Yeah. So. I'm really picky and choosy about doing slams now. I used to do all of them and I found it quite kind of like a, a lot of the same stuff felt like it was being recycled and a lot of the same themes were being used um, and they were being used as a way of kind of getting some uh, kind of attention from the audience and getting attention from the judges without really engaging with the issues at all. Lots of stuff about uh, racism, sexism, feminism, which are all great subjects for poems and people should be writing about these things, but it felt like a lot of people were writing about them on a very surface level uh, in a way of kind of that will get us some points from the judges because I'm talking about this subject. So you don't think there's any real analysis? There wasn't any real analysis going on? No. Or a new, fresh perspective no, or solutions? I, 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 or it's been a long time since I've heard a slam poem about one of those kind of subjects that have made me think about something else. That's uh, interesting. Yeah. I'm always um, at the slams here on Monday nights, the, the Vancouver yeah. slam. Um, there are always a handful of moments where people are doing poems about stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't always have the sense they're just doing it for points. I yeah, really feel yeah. like they're trying to make some uh -huh. some sense out of it and they're they're crafting it. And there's always a handful of moments where I'm like, whoa, that mm. was a really interesting turn on that or that was a yeah. really cool use of a metaphor or a comparison or making an analogy to something else. So yeah, I understand what you're saying, but then I also feel like I like the line where you say, or maybe it's just that it doesn't have room for me anymore, yeah, right? Like yeah. you kind of have that admission that there might be that going exactly. on. Well. Like, yeah, um, but yeah, it's just about how people engage with it, isn't mm -hmm. it? Uh, and some people engage with it in that way where it's surprising and makes you think and makes yeah. you question. Uh, and I feel like maybe because of the kind of constraints of slam, it maybe makes people just kind of look at it in a surface way. Yeah, sometimes. for sure, it's hard to do a. a dedicated analysis in three minutes mm -hmm. <laughs> or you know maybe some of the irritating stuff is when a, if a man gets up and starts talking about you know their friend that was raped and I know everything about you know what it was like for them to be raped and uh -huh. you know I'm going to support my sister and I'm going to do all these things yeah. and that's you know I don't know if 
you know, that's can, that's definitely annoying and uh-huh. problematic and all sorts of things. And yeah. I think that's when people can right. go and try well, and get points for yeah. doing stuff and like that. and they're using the issues, too. Yeah. Well, like, is it, it the hot points, right? There's yeah. always a, a white guy with dreadlocks talking about racism, uh, trying to score some points. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have a guy who does a poem where he has, he mentions the white guy, guy with dreadlocks, and that yeah. always gets a laugh, exactly. and that gets him that's points. Meta. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's got one of those, right? Did you write that about... Like what? Two, three years into your slamming? Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, <laughs> that's about, it's about right on schedule. Don't yeah, you yeah. think like where you write the poem, the the poem about, about it? it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty much our time this oh. afternoon. We're pretty much we got to wrap up and uh, make a couple of uh, show announcements. So let's uh, start with yours. Uh, our guest today is Kevin Gilday, and they're here doing uh, the gigantic lying mouth as part of the va- part of the Vancouver Fringe Festival at the Review Stage, uh, eight o'clock tomorrow. Is opening night? 8.15 tomorrow, yeah. And is that the pay-what-you-can one? Uh, No, so the tickets you can pay on the door or you can buy tickets in advance. I think they're like $10 or $11. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, go to VancouverFringeFestival.ca to find out more information about all the festivals or all the shows. What and you can also out? find out more about Kevin's work generally at www.kevinpgilday.co.uk. Um, tomorrow night, there is the uh, Writer's Studio Reading Series featuring Diana Joy, who's a poet. Doors are at 7, shows at 8 at Cottage Bistro. On Sunday, there's Poetry New West, sun, uh, 2 p.m., at the Heritage Grill, so just outside the Columbia Skytrain Station. Uh, it's Katie Staubert and L- Lara Varesi. Katie Staubert apparently is in from Abbotsford, is from Abbotsford. Did you go to school through anything? No. I just bring up Abbotsford every single show, I feel like. <laughs> um, Monday, C.R. Avery is at the Van Slam, and it's the individual playoffs uh, to pick the person who's going to represent Van Slam at CFSW and at um, IWIPS. At SIPS and IWIPS. And the States, yeah. And Elegant Ladies Collective is another show at the Slam that includes poetry. Uh, so Elegant Ladies Collective presents their show this year is Embryonic, and it is at the Fringe, and it is uh, the venue is Make. So they are going to get you to make some stuff with them so you can look that up and go see that as well and yeah tonight uh as again is the ubc poetry slam tasha Reseno is the featured poet and uh maybe you'll see kevin gilday there as well and ellie Kraji gardner asked me if we could we will do this again because the deadline isn't until november she is putting together an anthology about near death like not mm-hmm. near death experiences but people who have died or almost died and their experiences about that so um, I told her I would mention it but we will do it in a more elegant fashion with more details in the future and also word Vancouver happening at the end of this month the last Sunday of the month uh, September 24th many uh, interesting poets will be performing including Emma Field and Spilius the Ridiculous One Uh, so check that out but that's all the time we've got best of luck with your run thank you so much so glad to have you here I'm R.C. Weslowski I'm Pam Bentley our guest has been Kevin Gilday. The show is Gigantic Lying Mouth, and No Apologies Necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? So what?